Welcome to Hoyts. So we are a church that believes in the supernatural. We believe that uh, Jesus is still doing miracles today. And Hope and I were out to dinner with the Hoyts this week, and they told us their testimony. And I'm like, wait, what? The church has got to hear this. So I'm going to let these guys give a brief testimony about how God healed their child. Come on over here, guys. Good morning. I tell you what, I think we have, excuse me, the best church family ever. It's awesome. Michelle and I don't have any uh, extended family down here, so we're, you know, we're on our own, and uh, we've relied on the church a lot, the friendships, uh, the support, and uh, this is one of many, many testimonies that we can give. All right, so this was Monday, Monday night, Monday afternoon. Our uh, youngest son, Walter, who's three, uh, was uh, playing on a stool like we had told him many times not to, but he likes to climb things, and he's three, so uh, unfortunately he lost his balance, and he uh, hit his head on a counter and then on a tile floor on the way down. And being a climber, we had kind of seen this happen before. We thought, well, you know, he'll probably come out of it in an hour or something like that. Well, he, he went pale, uh, then he started to vomit, then he fell asleep. And uh, then he would wake up uh, to vomit again, and then he fell asleep again. It's getting bad, right? So I'm at work. Michelle texts me, and we're, we're trying to figure out what to do. We decide, okay, well, we need to go in and, and have this looked at, right? And so I think there's a picture of what he looked like uh, at, at, the, uh, at the beginning after this had happened. And if you know Walter, he's a bubbly guy, right? He loves everybody, and he's always bouncing around. So that's definitely not him. And like I said, we had seen this before. This was bad, right? This is this is pretty bad. And so I get on the uh, uh, one of my text chains, right? And I text a bunch of the guys in the church. And uh, within five minutes, uh, we had eight guys praying. I had an offer from a guy to come watch my kids, right? We had all the support we needed. Boom, like that. It, mm. it was fantastic. Mm. So Michelle's at urgent care uh, with Walter, and I let her know, hey, we're uh, we've got the guys praying. And um, she said, wow, that's funny because he just perked up. He just woke up. Okay. And then it was within 30 minutes. He's back up. He's bouncing around the the gurney. He's untying her shoes. He's playing with toys and talking and being his usual bubbly self. Right? That's that's him like 30 minutes later, right? (laughs) It was amazing. And that's, that's the power of prayer and the power of support, right? That's awesome. And I'll just say one more thing, right? You know, okay, so I'm an engineer, and I, I tend to be kind of skeptical of these things sometimes. I, personally, I'm convinced that this is a miracle, right? But, um, you know, if you're kind of thinking, oh, well, I'm not sure. Maybe he just kind of recovered. The bottom line here, right, was let's just say this was, this was circumstantial, right? The bottom line is we had all the support that we needed here in our church family. We had help the moment we, we asked for it. And that's uh, the love of the body, right? That's demonstrating Christ's love. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Amen. Did he say it all? All right. <laughs> all right. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Whew. Man, that's scary, isn't it? See your child like that? Yeah. All right. So uh, you can prepare your offering. And uh, if you're a guest here today, to end up saying, I don't. It's painful. You don't want to have friendships that don't last because of hurt and offense and 
betrayal and um, when relationships rip apart, churches, marriages, families, friendships, business, it's uh, one of the most painful things under heaven. And so we want to learn how to, uh, as much as lies within us, the Apostle Paul says, as much as lies within you, be at peace, shalom, wholeness with all people. We all desire to have healthy, whole, vibrant, life-giving relationships. When a relationship is not working, it feels like hell on earth. When it is working, it feels like heaven on earth, doesn't it? And so we want to really be serious about digging into how to uh, cause our relationships to last. And so today I want to teach on a topic that I don't think I have ever taught on a topic that touches people more deeply in a personal way than the one I'm going to teach on today. So I just want to dive right into it. I'm going to give you about a fire hose full of scripture because the Bible has so much to say about this. And I believe you're going to walk out of here um, being convicted, inspired, hopeful, and with a lot of practical things to do to uh, help your relationships last. I'm going to teach on the power of honor. The Bible says this, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. Now, you might think that's kind of a nicety, but actually, this goes to the very core of our creative makeup. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been honored? Raise your hand. Somebody has honored you in some way, of course. How many of you have ever been dishonored? Of course. So, why do you think, and let me ask you this. What did it feel like when you were honored? Just shout something out. Amazing? Validated? Okay. Anybody else besides Josh? Over here. Complete. Humbling. Thankful. Embarrassing? That's interesting. Humbling. How many of you have been dishonored, everybody? What did it feel like when you were dishonored? Shout out some words here. Angry. What did you say? Get him back? Oh, all right. Well, I'm not going to say that on camera now that we're live. We've got to behave ourselves. At least I do. Hateful. Painful. Hurt. Powerless. Disrespected. Isn't this interesting? Let me ask you this. Why do you think that being honored and dishonored touches us so deeply? What is that? Self-worth. You see, you and I were created with honor. Psalm 8 says that. When God created us, it says He created us a little lower than Himself. A little lower, it says Elohim, which is either angels or God. Either way, we are made in His image and we are remarkable, to say the least. The pinnacle of His creation. He saved the best for last when He made woman the crown of His creation. And so Satan has been trying to dishonor the woman ever since. And he's been doing a pretty darn good job of it. Satan works every day to strip you and I of honor because it strips us of our God-given image. Jesus came to restore our honor. And he uses you and I to use, uh, well, 
his command to us is to honor one another because we are to be partners with him in restoring one another's honor. So whenever you and I dishonor someone, we are partnering with the enemy. Whenever we honor someone, we are partnering with Jesus. The definition of honor is the place high value on something or someone. Like the soldiers who died for our freedom. They honored us with their very lives. They considered America, the United States of America, worth their very lives. That's why we honor them in return by having a Memorial Day weekend to remember them. Jesus honored us. Coming down from heaven to be mocked, spit on, tortured, crucified for you and I. He honored us by giving us a way out to rescue us. He honored us with his life. To dishonor is to devalue the worth of something or someone. Honoring and dishonoring increase. Now listen to this. Honoring and dishonoring increases or diminishes the output of God's, a person's God-given potential. I remember when I was just a young buck, in my early 20s, and I remember I just, I just started uh, preaching. And I had preached a couple places, and this one church invited me to preach. It was just a little tiny church, and it was one of my first public gigs, right? And uh, it was nice, nice of them to give me a shot. And I showed up. And I did an okay job, but I mean, I really prayed hard and I really studied hard and I'd never received an honorary before. Nobody had ever actually paid me after I got done teaching and I understand why. But these folks gave me $350. I remembered they handed me a check after I was done. I thought, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. I went out my car and I opened it up. It was $350. I felt, now I can describe it. I can articulate it. I felt such I felt so honored. We value you coming to our church and teaching us the word of God. Do you know what it motivated me to do? I wanted to pray harder. I wanted to study deeper. I wanted to preach better. So if you want better sermons around here, just saying. You know, Jesus, his mission was to restore our honor. Think about the way that he approached a woman at the well, John chapter 4, if you don't know the story, a woman who had uh, had five husbands and the one she was living with at the time was not her husband, a small town of Samaria. She was spiritually polluted. She was societally uh, uh, shamed. She was worthless. In man's eyes, Jesus purposely runs into her and she is the first person he revealed himself to as the son of God. And she he made her the first evangelist in the New Testament, restored her honor and her dignity. Think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was wicked. He was a thief. He was abusive. He was hated. One afternoon with Jesus, he became one of the biggest givers 
recorded in the Bible. Jesus restored his purpose for his prosperity. He restored his honor and his dignity. Think about the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. And Jesus basically said, all of you who are about to stone her to death, you have sinned too. So just stop it. And then he looks at her and says, where are your accusers? And she said, they're all gone because they'd all left. Jesus said, I don't shame you. I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. He restored her dignity, restored her honor. Peter, his best friend, denies him in Jesus' darkest hour. When Jesus raises from the dead, he goes up to Peter and he didn't even ask him. He didn't say, seriously, after all I did for you? Now, I've done that to one of my children before, or maybe all six of them. We just have that tendency, right? It's like, seriously, that's the way you're going to treat me after all that we do for a sacrifice? Can you imagine, you know, Jesus, Jesus had every right to do that with Peter, to just shame him for his failure. But all he did is so precious, so precious. Peter, man, just denying even knowing Jesus. And Jesus is darkest hour. What does Jesus do? He cooks him breakfast. How you doing, Peter? He says to him, how you doing? And he asks him one question. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. All right, let's go. And Peter became, he reinstated him. Peter went back to his occupation where Jesus found him at first. He went back to fishing. When Jesus first found him, he abandoned his fishing trade and he followed Jesus. After Jesus, after he failed Jesus, in his darkest hour, he went back to the fishing trade. So Jesus refound Peter, reproduced the exact same miracle that he, he, re, he produced when he first met Peter, and he restored his honor and his dignity and his place. And, Jesus, and Peter went on to be a, one of the greatest apostles in the history of the church because Jesus restored his honor. Honor is a gift because it's something you give to someone. It is a powerful gift because of its ability to help heal and restore the human personality. You know, you can honor someone just by remembering their name. Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever experienced that before? Uh, there's a little hardware store down, uh, down at the end of our street. And when we moved Ramona, I was doing a lot of fixing up in the house. I went to the hardware store for the first time, introduced myself to a guy named Kevin. And then I went back in there the next day or two, whatever. I walked in and Kevin goes, hi, John. I thought, seriously? He remembered my name? I mean, there's people coming in and out of that hardware store all day long. Every day for the last six years we've lived there, every time, every single time I've walked in to that hardware store, there's Kevin. Hi, John. I own that joint. I mean, that is my, I mean, that's my second home now. I, they love me there. Everybody knows my name. But the it, you just feel honored that, you actually remembered my name. Dishonor, on the other hand, is a powerful negative force that cripples and distorts the human personality. Examples, harsh words from parents. You'll never amount to anything. I mean, some of you are still being influenced and shaped by the words spoken to you when you were a child. And until you forgive and then hear affirming words to replace those negative words, it's going to continue to affect you in a negative way. Or maybe you had an absent parent, meaning I wasn't even worth you to even be around. Or they were present but absent, which is even worse. That we're in the same house and yet you don't even notice me. Or 
you know, children are a nuisance. Just devaluing children. I, I hate seeing children devalued. And you know that they did it with Jesus' disciples, right? Don't bother the master. Don't bother the master. Little children, you're a nuisance. You don't belong here. You're in the way. And Jesus restored the honor of children by saying, hey, let the children come to me. And he lays his hands on them and lets them sit on his lap. And he says, such is the kingdom of God. You see the kids, right, looking back at their parents going, mm. <laughs> right? What is that? That's someone valuing you. Touches us deep. Being betrayed by a friend. She steals your boyfriend. It communicates he is of more value than us. But I want to say from the outset of this message, I do not want our focus, I do not want your focus, I'm going to encourage you with every fiber of my being, do not let this message on being honored and dishonored cause you to focus on how you have been dishonored. Because that will cause you to remain a victim. But rather, allow the content of this message to motivate you to be one that honors others even when they dishonor you and that's hard why should we honor someone who dishonors us because we are honorable people when you dishonor somebody when they dishonor you you've lost your honor you become one who dishonors and takes honor rather than gives honor the bible says when jesus was reviled dishonored abused he did not revile and threaten in return but he trusted himself to god who judges righteously jesus says that to what we heard just a little bit ago to honor those who dishonor to do good to those who use us and spitefully mistreat us it is so natural to lash back out when somebody hurts you but you got to stop and say wait a minute the devil is trying to get me into a scrap where they have dishonored me, oh, and you just want to scratch their face off. you got to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That human being, although they look like Satan to me right now, were created in the image of God, and somewhere along the way they were dishonored themselves. You know, whenever I, whenever I see somebody who's an alcoholic, a drug addict, an abuser of some kind, or depressed, or suicidal, or dropping out of school, or some kind of brokenness in their life that's afflicting me or others around, I think to myself, the first thing we want to think is, you know, just our natural fallen human nature is to dishonor them even more and say, man, what a jerk, or man, what a waste, or whatever you might want to say, you know, because you think these things. Can you imagine if all of our thoughts were actually read by everybody in the room? Wouldn't that just be a nightmare of an existence? You have these negative, nasty, you know, sinful dishonoring thoughts that go through your mind and most people who have self-control don't let them come out of their mouth because life and death is in the power of the tongue so we have these grids but here's what i think after i've thought the negative thoughts i think to myself when they're like in second grade and the teacher says hey once you write down susie hey johnny write down what you want to be when you grow up nobody wrote down a uh, you know a, a drug addict uh, a bank robber you know a, a rapist uh, you know, neglected. Nobody wrote these things down. Something happened along the way that broke them. They were somehow and in some way by someone dis, 
honored. And we are to be a people who are about restoring people's dignity and respect and honor. Can I hear an amen? If anybody was dishonored, who deserved to be honored, it was Jesus. But Jesus did not return dishonor with dishonor. Why? Because Jesus wasn't living to be honored. He had a higher purpose, and that was to honor God and restore the honor of others. We honor people who do not deserve it because we are people of honor. I'm going to give you three well practical ways to give honor to others. You guys ready? We're going to get down to some brass tacks here. We're going to look at some scripture, and I have very little time to do it, so I'm going to uh, speed preach. Number one, three ways to give honor. Number one is your words. Jesus spoke into the strength of his followers. He says to Peter, which means a, a, a reed that's easily blown in the wind, just going with, with whatever, whatever comes his way. Jesus says to him, one day your name is going to be Rocky. Right? His name was Simon. I'm sorry, Simon means to be a, a, a weed that's blown, bends in the wind. But, but Peter means uh, rock, Rocky. He spoke into Peter's strength. He told Peter who he was going to be. He did the same thing with a guy named Gideon who was hiding in the basement in the Old Testament, hiding from the enemy. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, oh, mighty man of valor. He spoke something into Gideon that Gideon wasn't even aware of himself. He was victimized. He was weak. He was fearful. He was hiding. That's what everybody saw at the natural eye. That was his name. That was his identity. And God says, you are a mighty man of valor. And he became a captain of the army. You can go on and on talking about the way that Jesus spoke into the strengths of those around him. Do you know a person's weakness that is afflicting you is really a strength that is pushed too far? Like somebody that's brash and overbearing, they, they have internal courage that it just needs to be tempered, right? Somebody that stays with an abuser, well, they're probably their primary a gift is probably loyalty and faithfulness. And they, they just don't know that it's time to leave. You get somebody that's really critical and, they're, and they just they see things quicker than everybody else and they're arrogant. Well, they've been given us the strength of uh, in, insight and intelligence. But they need some humility to temper that down so they can be helpful to others. You see, these... These weaknesses are really strengths push out of measure. So you need to learn how to speak in, see, okay, that weakness right there that's annoying, it's actually a strength that's mutated and morphed. And as a person that gives honor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to identify that strength. I'm going to speak into that strength. And don't do it in journal. You need to be very specific. You don't just say, you're just amazing. That really doesn't mean anything. You say, you know, I saw the way you were talking to that person over there, and you have a real gift of empathy. You know, when, when you were, when you were um, playing sports or whatever, you don't just say, wow, you're great. Say, so you know, what I really like is the way that you, and then you describe something you saw that was a skill set that was unique to that individual. That's a very specific thing that, that adds honor to that person because we are all so self-critical, aren't we, anyway? Aren't we just self-critical? I mean, listening to your voice on a voicemail, you hate your voice. 
You see a picture. I mean, I try to take a picture on my house with all the girls. I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, I can't even take a doggone picture at our house because it's got to be perfect. Because now it's social media. It's like, I just want to take a picture of my family. No. Look at the Bible says about the power of the tongue, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises the Lord, the Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this ought, this is not right. This is why gossip and slander is so damaging. I'm going to try to be kind of quick with this, but this is a really powerful point. I hear gossip and slander all the time. It comes out of my mouth. I mean, we just do it. I mean, we see somebody doing something stupid, and it just you just tell somebody about it. And it's just, that's gossip and slander. It's like, no, but it's the truth. You want people telling the truth about you 24-7 too? Gossip and slander, the definition is to speak against someone in such a way as to harm or injure their reputation. My sister was a psychology professor, and she did this, this, uh, this test. She had a substitute come in. She had two classes, two different classes, or student body classes. And she said to the first one, oh, the substitute I have, he is amazing. You guys are going to love him. To the second class, she said, I'm sorry for the substitute coming in. He's a real mess. You're going to not like him at all. He's got real issues, but I apologize. He's all I could get. After the substitute did both classes, my sister passed out a survey to the classes asking to rate the professor. What do you think happened? Yeah, class A thought he was amazing. Class B thought he was a complete failure. It's called prejudice to prejudge. And that's what happens when you tell somebody something about somebody. It, it shades their perception of that individual. You're dishonoring them and their reputation. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> and we all do it. And it's destructive. It's nasty. It's ungodly. The Bible says that a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Because you ruin somebody's reputation, doesn't matter how rich they are, it breaks down their relationships. The, the way it works is A has a problem with B, so A goes and tells C. And so now C has a problem with B when they don't even have any information from B at all. So C goes and tells D. So B is just, it's over for B, isn't it? It's like this guy that slandered and gossiped an individual and he felt really bad about it. So he went to the priest and he told him, it's not a joke, by the way. He told him and the priest forgave him. And he said, but I want you to do penance. And he said, I agree. He said, go up to the pinnacle of the cathedral with a feather pillow on a windy day and break it open and then go gather all the feathers. He said, well, that's impossible. He said, exactly. Especially with social media. Once you slander or you gossip, you say something about somebody, poof, it's like a feather pillow on a windy, windy day. You can never get those words back. It's incredibly destructive in a spiritual community because we come to a church to find love and acceptance in the midst of all of our brokenness. And it's just so dishonoring and so painful when we find judgment rather than correction and truth, but done in a way what we are for you, we are with you, we are on your side.
Have you ever been misunderstood, maligned, misrepresented? Has that ever happened to you before? How did it feel? Gossip is so powerful that it can separate best friends. Look at this verse. A perverse man stirs up dissensions, and a gossip separates close friends. I tell you, my mom and dad got divorced. For those of you who are divorced in here, I want to say something to you that's really important. When I would hear my mom speak bad about my dad, it made me hate my mom. That's my dad you're talking about. I don't know what happened with you guys, but you're making me not like you because you're dishonoring my dad. Or my dad would speak evil about my mom. It made me not like my dad because you're dishonoring my mommy. Don't damage your child like that. Don't be that selfish to put that on your child. And understand that if you want your child and you'd have a good relationship, do not tear down your spouse no matter how badly they hurt you and mistreat you with your tongue. In fact, you should find with a magnifying glass if you have to, something good about your ex and say those things to your child because they are inheriting the strengths and weaknesses of their mom and their dad. And so speak into the strengths of your ex. So your child cannot doesn't think, oh my gosh, I've inherited complete failure as a dad or a mom, which isn't true. Everyone's made in the image of God. There's another great verse. He who covers over offenses promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates friends. I think I just read that. Jesus put gossip and slander in the same category. And listen to this. You ready? Jesus Christ put gossip in the same, and slander in the same category as adultery, sexual perversion, theft, and murder. Paul puts it in the same category as physical violence, treachery, lust, and witchcraft. So stop it. Stop the witchcraft around here. You hear me? Isn't that amazing? So I want to say on that first point about words, use your words for life, not death. Amen? Okay, secondly, and again, I'm running out of time, so we're just going to keep moving quickly here. Uh, well, I want to say this last thing about words. This week I got caught. My wife and I were taking a walk, and I was talking about one of my children. It's really annoying me right now and concerning me, and, and there's fears. Parents, have you ever had fear about your children and how they're, how they're going to end up turning out? Okay, we have three parents that actually love their kids. Okay. <laughs> parents live with fear, man. I mean, we don't want to screw our kids up, and you know we are, so they're going to have issues when they grow up, and it just is what it is. Good luck. But we're trying to do the best we can. And so, you know, and then they're making just dumb decisions because the brain isn't fully developed and you can't, you know, talk them out of it and you get into fights about it and stuff, you know. At least that's the way it is around the Etor household. It's just a nightmare. I don't know what it's like in your house, but our house is just a wreck. But anyway, so I was saying to my, my, my wife, I said, let's pray for our, one of our, our child in particular. And we started praying. Right when I began to pray, the Lord said, stop speaking curses over your child. I'm sorry, it's still fresh. It just happened on Wednesday. <laughs> yes, my child is making dumb choices in my estimation. I'm not talking about robbing banks or killing people. I'm just talking about dumb choices, okay? But 
though that's true, I'm to be speaking into my child's strength and his purpose and God's divine sovereignty over his life, not the things that I'm fearful about. And neither should you. I wish I had uh, a, more, a couple more weeks to teach into this, but uh, boy, goodness. Here we go. Number two. Man. I'm going to finish this. Next week, Mario, our Mar- a pastor from Tijuana, uh, I travel with him all throughout Mexico. We've been traveling together for almost 20 years now. He is, he is one of the greatest men of God I know. I would drive with Mario all throughout South Mexico. We'd drive from church to church to church, and he'd always be saying, for you, senor, for you, senor, for you, senor, for you, senor, for you, senor. He's talking, to, obviously, to Jesus. We do this for you. We do this for you. And one day, it dawned on me, he really means it. He really is doing this for Jesus. And he travels and he preaches and he serves and he gives. Like, I don't know another believer that does it like he does. He wears me out just watching him serve Jesus. And he's going to be here next Sunday. I said, you need to come to our church more often and you need to preach because you're an amazing man of God. And I love you and you're one of our missionaries. So he'll be here next week. So I won't be able to finish. I won't be able to continue next week. But I feel like this is connecting at such a deep level, and this is so important. I do not want to try to rush through the rest of it. Is that all right? Is that good? I think we've been convicted enough this morning. (laughs) I don't know if we could all handle the rest of this sermon. I hope you come back. Lord, forgive us for the words that have come out of our mouths. Forgive us for the curses we've spoken over one another. You see our mess and you see our condition and you speak life. You speak purpose. You speak forgiveness. You speak hope. You speak our future to us. You just never shame us and you never forsake us. No matter how, no matter how um, ugly we are, you just lift us up and you speak life and encouragement to us. Lord, we ask you to teach us how to do this with one another. The apostle said, Paul said, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have come, and now all things are of God. And you said that we no longer judge one another according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We must see one another through the eyes of God. Lord, all of us in this house today and everyone who's watching this live, we ask you to forgive us for cursing our bosses, our president, our pastors, our parents, our children, uh, fellow church members, our co-workers. Forgive us, Father, for the sin that has come out of our mouth. You said where there are many words, sin is not lacking. Father, we repent this morning. We were caught. We ask you to forgive us and to cleanse our mouths and cleanse our hearts. And we ask you to teach us how to be like you. Where we see beyond the brokenness and the offense and we speak life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.
So let's all stand. I'm going to call the prayer teams down. We believe in miracles in this church. You just heard one up here earlier. And uh, the prayer team is going to come down to this little pony wall down here. And if you need prayer, physical healing, Jesus can heal anything, anytime, anywhere. And he has said that, well, when he came to church, that's the first thing he started doing. When he went to the temple in Jerusalem, the first thing he did was begin to heal the sick. He's still doing it today. So if you need healing in your body, you come down front and these prayer teams are going to pray for you. Um, Maybe some of you here today have been wounded by words. Maybe I've wounded you by words I've spoken just flippantly. I've learned over 30 years of being in ministry that sometimes I say some things off the cuff. I'm being sarcastic or joking, and it, and it really hurt. And, uh, it, you know, please, I hope there's not a long line going out the door when I give this invitation. That would be a long day for me, and then I would need help. But if I've hurt you, I apologize, and I would like to, I would like to forgive you. Uh, what? I should have quit at the last amen. That was good. (laughs) I felt good where we were a moment ago. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, I forgive you all. And if anybody needs my forgiveness, I will be down here. And I will... will. Did I say wrong again? (laughs) Are Are we still streaming live? You know what I mean, right? I'll be down here. Amen. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ before, I want to say to you that you can never be good enough to make it to heaven. Period. Because you've sinned just like the rest of us. But Jesus is here and ready to forgive you. And if you would like the forgiveness of Jesus, if it's not too long of a line, I will be down here for you as well. Or any of these prayer teams, they'll be down here. Please come down. And they will introduce you to Jesus. He will forgive you for all your sins instantaneously. He will breathe His Spirit into your soul. And you will be what's called born again. Your sins will be forgiven. And when you die, you will be going to heaven. Because salvation is a free gift. God bless you guys. Go be the salt light in the world. And honor somebody. Amen. Memorial Day picnic tomorrow. Power Lake.